This is the Comstock Report Podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. It is Friday, which means it is time for the weekly wrap-up for us here on Comstock Channel. My name is Brian Hendrickson. Today I have Eric with us. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, another week down and uh, glad to be here. This was a trying one for sure, so... All right, let's get started. We're not going to start with corn straight off. We're going to talk about a topic that seems to be a focal point now, and that is soil moisture. Yeah, you're hearing a lot of producers start to say, you know, this is one of those years where we're not getting a great start for the fall. Uh, We don't have a lot of soil recharge. Here locally in northwest Iowa, it's not so bad. We, We caught some pretty good pretty good rains, pretty timely rains at the right times. We had that one five inch system that came in and delayed harvest, but you can see that kind of reflected in the map. But I guess I just kind of wanted to highlight this because it is something we're hearing from a lot of producers across the heart of the belt. And you can see it kind of stretches from the Illinois, Iowa border all the way over to Western Kansas, down to Southern Missouri. There's, there's various levels of trouble spots throughout that whole region. Luckily here where I'm sitting in Northwest Iowa, we are in the yellow, which uh, isn't as bad as many other folks uh, across the belt, but it's early. Obviously we have all of our winter precip to come and Kansas is expected to get some reprieve, but we never know if that's actually gonna happen. So this is just one of those things that is starting to be kind of a hot button topic and everybody's starting to pay attention to it a little bit as we're headed into winter, because once the ground freezes, especially in the Northern and and, uh, Northwestern Corn Belt, um, the ground can't absorb any of that. It just runs off and, and it's just lost moisture. So we needed, we need to get something in a lot of these areas sooner than later. And Eastern Iowa would be one of those critical areas along with, uh, Eastern Nebraska. So just something I wanted to point out because there are a lot of people chatting about it. All right, let's go ahead and dive in with grains. Mm-hmm. Soybeans and corn both closed in red, but let's start with corn. Kind yeah. of week did you see it happen? Uh, bipolar. Um, we started the week out at, uh, we made a new low to start the week, first off, Monday morning, um, and then finished Monday, 13 cents higher in the December corn. So that was huge move, felt great, looked great. But then at that point, everybody needed to be on guard because it was going to get stripped away just as quick as we got it. And that's ultimately what happened. Uh, we end up finishing the week three higher in the December corn at 467. Um, that, you know, yeah, you finished the week higher, but that still felt like a disappointment after what we saw on Monday. Uh, so anyway, you, you got to look at what's what's impacting things here, what's going on. And obviously, um, domestic demand is still strong. Ethanol uh, margins are still good. The demand for that crush is still there. Exports continuing to be a problem, although I would highlight that this week we finally saw a really nice weekly number on the corn that was above the high end of expectations. That was excellent. We need to see more of that. But really what we need to see from the export front is bigger buying from China, and and we haven't seen that yet. We did see one daily flash sale this week from uh, U.S. corn sold to Japan. So that gives us a little hope because then at least we know we're competitive getting U.S. corn over to Asia. So now we wait, we see, do, do we get some of these Chinese purchases? And there's been a lot of chatter this week about the president uh, meeting with 
Xi Jinping in San Francisco and what could come of that? Are we going to see purchases and all that? I think ag chat was probably so far down on their list. They didn't even come close to it. There's, there's so many bigger issues globally going on. And my guess is, is that that, that wasn't even a topic that was discussed at this juncture. Um, basis continues to improve for corn. Even when we had a big update, we saw a little tick higher in the basis. And then you see a down day, a little tick higher in the basis. So as these basis levels improve, we know we're competitive on the global market. There's some things to hang your hat on, but still felt heavy as we finished the week well off of the highs posted on Tuesday. All right, let's switch to soybeans. What did you see with them? <sighs> More extreme bipolar. Uh, the last the last two weeks have been um, awe-inspiring early in the week and completely disappointing end of the week. And that was the case this week as, as well as last. Um, and what that, what that leaves on a weekly chart is just, uh, not, not really good looking. Technicians don't like to see, okay, we trade way up to resistance and then we fall, you know, from the high this week, we fell 60 cents to today's low. Uh, that's a massive move. And, and really most of that took place over the course of two days. So when you finish the week with that kind of trade, it definitely feels heavy and it's not very inspiring. Uh, but all in all, soybeans finished the week. The January contract's up six and three quarter cents. We're at thirteen forty and a quarter. We traded to a high of thirteen ninety eight and a half on Tuesday night. Big difference there. Uh, we saw weekly export sales massive, but expected because we had all those daily flash sales the week before. You know. So then the weekly number comes in at 3.9 million metric tons. That's the best week we've seen in forever. Uh, but again, it was expected. So the market really didn't have much reaction to it. But I would say the highlight for me this week was two days ago, we get the NOPA crush report um, on what would that have been Wednesday, the 15th. And you always look at the monthly numbers and, and people want to compare. Well, how does that compare to previous Octobers in this case? Um, and this was not only a record October, this was a record for any month ever in recorded history for the crush that we saw. Now, the market also did not react to that. And that was our first trigger to think, okay, well, maybe we have a problem and we're probably gonna go down here because you're seeing a bearish reaction to bullish news. Even no reaction to bullish news is a sign of a market that's pretty heavy. We didn't know quite how heavy it was, but that was our first sign that maybe we weren't going to see any further upside yet this week. And, and sure enough, didn't. But this October crush report was out of sight, beat any trade expectations, lowest soybean oil stocks in nine years. Um, this is very good uh, longer term. This is what we expected to see as we're bringing new crush plants online. And they're continuing to. I mean, there's some still in construction. There's some that have come online as recently as last week. So that's something that we still have to look forward to in the months and years to come uh, is this expansion. And we touched on that. I mean, the, the crush demand expectations for 2026 are far exceed what we're expecting for 2024. So th this is something that'll keep happening. And, and if we keep the export program up along with these kind of crush numbers, I mean, you're talking about we, we have no beans. We can't grow enough beans uh, with the way that we grow corn. Of course, corn's fighting really hard not to be grown right now. So I guess maybe that's what'll happen. But uh, anyway, that was that was probably the biggest data point of the week for me. Uh, but what traders are focused on is Brazilian weather. 
and we are forecasted to get rain over the next week. So from Sunday to Thursday, widespread two inch rains, potential of up to four inch in spots. Um, these, these are going to be a nice drink for them at a time when they desperately need it. They're in triple digit heat. They're dry. They've been dry. Uh, we have video, uh, that has been put out in our social media pages of, of, uh, soybeans that are just dying in the field because they haven't had any rain in 43 days. Uh, at the time the video was recorded. Now that's been 45 days or six. Um, so definitely a desperate situation down there. But I did think this was really interesting. This is eight to 14 day precipitation anomaly map. So even with this rainfall that's coming, they're right back to dry. And, and so this gives them a drink. It gives them something they desperately need right now, but this isn't a healing rain. And, and supposedly I'm no climatologist, but Supposedly, once these rains pass over the next several days, then you have a high pressure ridge system moves right back in. You go right back to triple digit heat and no rainfall again. And, and you see that here in this uh, rainfall anomaly for the 8 to 14 day time frame. Um, Argentina has had some reparations as far as soil moisture goes. Their conditions are getting a little better. Some places a little too wet in the extreme north, but that's not the heart of their growing region. But but Argentina will make up a little bit of this that Brazil's losing. We know they're going to lose yield. It's just a question of how much. And Argentina will pick up a little bit of that slack, but it's a drop in the bucket compared to what we could lose out of Brazil. All right, let's move over to livestock. Starting with cattle, live cattle did close in the green. How did everything else do? Oh. Okay, I don't answer that. <laughs> the way you answered that. <laughs> well... If you recall, uh, a month ago, we were talking about what the market might do with the cattle on feed numbers that were coming out. And today is cattle on feed day again. Now we're recording this in the one thirty time frame, so it hasn't come out yet. It'll drop at two o'clock. All we saw this week pretty much was preparation for that report. And, you know, yesterday down sharply today up pretty nice. You're up basically a dollar across the board feeders and fats and, uh, you know, so it, it was a nice little rebound today. Uh, all in all, wasn't a bad week for the cattle market as far as futures go. Uh, February finishes the week 215 higher at 176.80. Not the end of the world there. Cash trade has been a different story. Um, last week, I'm going to say we lost something like $5 national average. This week, we're probably going to lose another four. Led by dress trade, lost the most this week. Uh, live trade in the Southern Plains going to be two and a half, three dollars lower than last week. Dress trade is going to be four to five dollars lower than last week. So you know you're you're talking you're taking off eight to ten dollars off the cash in two weeks' time. That, that's a that's a devastating blow to a lot of these feeders and and just hope they had proper hedges in place because that that's tough in that short amount of time, especially. So we're going to see that cash trade three to five dollars lower than last week's weighted average, but. Uh, the interesting part about it, I think, is I'm starting to hear so much more about, you know, the tail wagging the dog. The futures are leading the cash lower and all this. You know, there was opportunities and and they weren't taken advantage of by most. The, this market was out of sight high and should have been hedged against. Many didn't get that done. And now, you know, the futures market is the devil. And, and I understand that that there is a lot of give and take between the futures and the cash market. But, you know, you've got to take advantage of it when it gives you a gift, 
just like they take advantage of you when you give them a gift. So, you know, it's, it's give and take and, and we got to be a little patient here and see how this plays out. I think we're going to have really surprisingly bullish cattle on feed reports next year. Uh, I don't think this is going to be one of them today, but I think uh, next year we'll start to see the lower numbers. We'll start to see things shift in the, in the producer and feeders directions for an extended period. And we're going to see another run at this thing. I don't know if we'll make new highs, but they'll have their opportunity again. Hopefully they can manage to get through this turn of cattle that have been uh, kind of devastating with the amount of money they're having to pay for the feeders uh, along the way. So we'll see what the numbers look like this afternoon, how the market digests that on Monday, and that'll likely set the tone for next week. All right. Last is hogs. Did not close pretty. They were in the red. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of um, week did they have? This, this hog situation has been a little tough to to figure out exactly what's going on because it is such a uh, integrated industry. Um, But ultimately what we're seeing right now is cash is running a a pretty good sized deficit to front month futures. And that's been the case for a little while, but it's not correcting itself. It's certainly not been in any hurry to do so this far anyway. Um, the, the December board did close 92 cents lower at 70.97 this week, but the cash lost more than that. So we still have the same premium to cash. And so I, I don't know how that rectifies itself other than a sharp drop in the futures at some point over the next 30, 40 days. But, uh, cash trade has been, been very light. Uh, and then you have, yeah, these days where you have a little higher trade and then you have some steady trade and then you have two or three days of lower and sharply lower. And so ultimately it's not going in the producer's direction. And and some of these contract growers are worried about what their next contracts are going to look like because we are seeing integrated packer margins just massively in the red, uh, which means the prices that they contracted six months or a year ago are uh, are losing them money and they're not going to do that for very long. So now how they renegotiate those contracts could be kind of interesting. But we hit resistance last week. We talked about that. That obviously proved to be solid. Futures retreated some this week. Uh, the December actually took it lighter than some of the deferred contracts, which is interesting because we will see a uh, shortage of supply once we get into the spring, maybe early summer months. So, uh, you know, still still going to take some months to figure this thing out and, and be able to tell really where the hog market's going. But right now it just is bleeding guys out and, and there doesn't seem to be an end in sight. And it's been going on for so long. We had one little blip of reprieve in the in the summer months this year. But spring was hard, fall's been hard, and it doesn't look like it's going to be any better going into winter. Overall, how do you feel about the week? It made me feel bipolar, I think. This action that we saw in the weekly charts and the grains is just abysmal. Uh, Wheat has been an anchor to all the grains as well. That's something we don't talk about on a weekly basis. Not a lot of our subscribers and viewers are in the wheat, but uh, that's something that may be worth mentioning here today because you have horrible exports, um, you have uncompetitiveness on the global market, you have improving conditions in Argentina. Um, Russia continues to give away their wheat, and now apparently the U.S. negotiated a deal with Lloyd's of London to try and ensure uh, vessels going in and out of the Black Sea to haul Ukrainian product, including grain. So now maybe you're going to open up the passages for Ukrainian wheat to get out on the global market. And and they've been a massive producer for a long time. Obviously, they're very restricted now. But uh, if they can get in 
back to any kind of semblance of normal over the next year, that just keeps the pressure on us. And, you know, Southern Plains, uh, HRW country is expected to get some repairing rains over the next 30 days. And so uh, that'll improve crop conditions and kind of give it a little a little cause for even a little more pressure. It just seems like there you can't find a break anywhere. We start getting some big cash sales, some bigger export numbers, then maybe we've got something to talk about. But right now, wheat just seems like something that is a drag on everything else. But all in all, uh, cattle on feed is going to dictate the cattle sentiment to start next week. Um, grains, the way they traded the last two days, definitely put a damper on any bullishness there. It seems like you have uh, technical traders who are very willing to sell these nasty looking charts. And you have fundamental traders who are waiting for it to stop going down. And so you can't find buyers. So it, it'll be interesting to see, but uh, definitely feels feels heavy right now. And that's usually about when it's ready for a turnaround. All right. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much. All right, Brian. Thank you. Want more premium content? Subscribe to the Comstock Report, where you will receive two reports daily. Want more video content? We are on Facebook, YouTube, and now TikTok. So don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits. Futures trading involves risk. The risk of loss in trading futures and or options is substantial, and each investor and or trader must consider whether this is a suitable investment. Past performance is not indicative of future results.